For over 100 years, naval military professionals have counted on Naval Institute press books such as the Chief Petty Officer's Guide to prepare them for their responsibilities as they advance in their careers and to serve as a ready reference and refresher guide when needed. The Chief Petty Officer's Guide and the Cutlass Podcast are useful tools for chiefs of any experience level, petty officers who aspire to advance to chief, or anyone looking to reflect on the state of their leadership and management skills while benefiting from the experiences and insights of a variety of accomplished leaders. Get your copy of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide today using the links in the episode description or online at your bookstore of choice. Signed copies can be ordered at www.cutlassleadership.com. And make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast today so you can work to become a more sturdy, versatile, and credible leader. Now let's jump into the next episode of the Cutlass Podcast. All right, everyone, we're back for another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. And in this episode, we're going to get back to our power bases. And specifically, I want to talk today about information power. Information power is a complementary power base to your expert power base. And information power is developed by gaining access to and using information that others either need, want, or that they provide to you and which influences your decision making, your behavior, and ultimately, hopefully, the accomplishment of your goals and the personal development and success of your teams. So it's often been quoted, and you've probably heard, that information is power, and this power is typically used to help enhance the influence tactics we're going to touch on later in this episode. You will learn to find and use information from a variety of sources that you can use in a variety of ways. And I touch on this power base briefly in Chapter 2 of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, but there's so much more to discuss. So let's dive in today and discuss the importance of information power as a tool in your leadership toolbox. So today, my guest is Derek Boyd. Derek is a friend. He's also a veteran of the U.S. Army, and following his service, he's been in the law enforcement and emergency management professions. And as you know, most of my guests have been prior or current naval leaders, but I thought it was important to diversify that perspective. And Derek has a great perspective and experience on why information power is important and how we can all use it to increase our influence. So Derek, welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. Thanks for joining me. How are things down there in Atlanta? Hey, Paul, man, things are great, man. Thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with you, man. I'm really excited about this, man, and I just wish you well. Everything here in Atlanta is great. You know, we're still dealing with the pandemic and we're we're working out through that, but uh, all is well, Mel. Yes, friend. All right, awesome. Yeah, it's great to catch up on you in this way. So, so you heard me. I offered some initial thoughts on information power in the introduction, and I know we talked about it before we got on and started to record. So, my first question is: Why does Derek think the ability to access and use information is so vital for leaders and managers? Yeah, Paul, that's a great question, man. And so, from from my perspective, I think with with information, right, you can make more sound and informed decisions. And I said, you know, absent that, you know, I believe you're sort of left to your own experiences um, and influences, which don't necessarily yield to the appropriate results, you know, for business. Yeah. I think as long as you have information, you know, you can, you know, adequate information and appropriate information, um, you can make better um, decisions. Okay. You know, we get information, you know, your army service from the tactical level up. And, you know, I got to serve in positions on flag staffs at the more strategic levels of the organization. And they really relied on me as a source of information to help with that decision making. So we use it at the personal direct level of leadership. But then that information power also translates up to when you're working on teams and staffs. What's been your experience with that? You know, when it comes to that information piece, right? Um, what I alluded to earlier, 
you know, you can make better decisions. And, and for me, through my my walk and you know, my journey towards professionalism and becoming an effective leader, I really tried to make sure that I surrounded myself around sound people, right, and that were thinking progressive and really trying to be mission focused, et cetera. And so, if you're going to be successful in in leadership, I think you have to have adequate and authentic information, right? And so, what I keep coming back to is like you know, from a and even from a historical perspective. You have to think of, you know, secondary and third order effects of, you know, information that you have and what actually you're going to do with that information, right, once you have it. Yeah, it really shapes your value and belief systems, right? The information you get or the information you're given, you know, we know that as kids, our parents give us a lot of information, schools give us information. And even you look in the media, right, the media is feeding you information and some of that, to your point about biased information, that information comes from a certain value and belief system. So you've got to be, I think that's a great point. We'll probably touch on it more is the information you seek has to be quote unquote, the right stuff to ensure yes. you make the right decision. So I think that's a good yeah. intro. I would also offer that information I've seen. You know, one of the frameworks I build my leadership management approaches is on this power basis and influence tactics. And what I think information does, it's a tool that enables you to use these variety of information tactics. So for example, you know, if I wanted to come across what's called a rational persuasion or inspirational appeal, you know, just knowing about what deeply motivates my people based on the conversations that I have with them and the things that they tell me or, frankly, others tell me about them that I don't know can really help me strengthen that inspirational appeal. Or if you're given a speech, like I've talked in the public speaking episode, knowing your audience, right? What's going to connect with them? Um, yes. What do they like? What don't they like? So it can really do that. And then on the other hand, as you know, and I think this is the law enforcement piece that we'll talk about later, is sometimes you got to understand the cost, right? What people hold dear and they don't want taken away. So if you're going to interrogate or use pressure or when you're going to use negative discipline, knowing what they hold valuable is an important thing that you can use to gain leverage to shape their behavior. So I think that's a good uh, start to this. So let's uh, let's talk about sources of information that a leader or manager should have at their disposal. So I'll probably touch on specific ones you know, that I've used, but what are some broad categories of information that a leader or manager would want to have at their access or be checking on daily? So, so Paul, great question. I, I will tell you that for me, what I found to be most effective is uh, my people, people at the deck plate, folks that are actually executing those functions, right, um, that are mission tied, right? And so I think for me as a leader, whenever I go in and I assume a new role, et cetera, I always walk the process. I get out and I start talking to people, finding out why they do what they do. And I think my most valuable resource in my um, in my experience has really been about the people at the deck plate finding out, hey, why do you do that? What are the legacy issues? What are the regulatory requirements? Why do we do what we do? And so I think people, they provide that information there and then they get it from a variety of places, meaning other people, other sources, they got, you know, a lot of policies, manuals, you know, I'm a policy guy. I will tell you from the very beginning, the folk know me, you know, listen, I'm going through, I'm looking at the policies and I'm seeing how this ties to what our critical functions are, how we execute our daily duties. And so, you know, I look at the policies, I look at manuals, you know, you know, and there's a plethora of like, you know, social media, the internet is full of 
all different sources of information now, you know, right at our fingertips. And so while you may have to, you know, sort of weed out some of the, because along with that, the internet and, and all those, those sources that we have now that are readily available to us, you've got to also weed through a bunch of mess oftentimes yeah. um, that you don't need to, to get to what you really need. And so I, I think for me, you know, I use a, a collaborative approach and it's really about getting sources authentic, calculated, and sort of, I lean on experiences of other people as well. You know, some of the things, you know, all my colleagues in the field, I always reach back to folks and ask them, you know, hey, did you, you ever experience this? If you did, where did you get this information from? How were you able to derive that? So that's what I sort of use, Paul. Awesome. Yeah, I think people's definitely a key resource. When you think of it, though, you know, coming from the managerial perspective, obviously you talked about this, right? So there's there's the solid information sources you should know within your field, your profession, your specific organization you're working at. So like you said, the organizational regulations and policies give a lot of information. There's technical manuals and there's user guides that give information, not just on how things should operate, but on troubleshooting and how to correct things. And in some cases, there's history that's captured in those documents, like material history and other things like that. News sources, we talked about that. Professional journals, newsletters, and bulletins keep you in the know, right? So while those other organizational regulations and policies might have information, some of that can be quickly dated or when new technology comes out, just relying on professional journals and newsletters and technical bulletins will keep you up to date and help nudge you to read the newest stuff that's out there. And like you said, these days, this social media internet world, uh, it's not even these days, this has been growing over the last past decades, but we'll touch on this as it gives so much access to information from a variety of things. And I think more importantly, it's how you responsibly manage that and make sure you're getting good, accurate information. You know, for those in the Navy, all kinds of programs are, are listed out there. Everything from, you know, career enlisted retention and career development programs, sponsored indoctrination, Navy admin, right? Nav admins and all nav messages provide a great opportunity to learn about just what's going on. But also, some of these sources of information will help strengthen your other power bases. So you find out about different reward programs and opportunities you can use to recognize your people. That's an important reason. And then Derek, you mentioned a great point. This connection power base, right? I, I haven't done an episode on that, but connection power actually strengthens your information power base. And like you said, you can reach out to your colleagues in that professional network and they can be a source of information and validation for the information you use. So I think that's great. For the listeners, go ahead and take inventory of those sources of information. All right, so we we understand why information is important. We've got information. Hopefully, we've got good, solid, relevant information. The paper stuff. We've got our people. We've got a drumbeat. Right to your point, you know, just walking around, talking to people daily in a very genuine, authentic way will feed you great information. So let's discuss how we use that information, and then talk about the risks with each approach. So. My framework that I've written about and talked about or I've experienced is there's generally three ways that leaders and managers can use information. So the first one is they can push it out, they can withhold information, or they can manipulate it to achieve outcomes. And Derek, before we get into this, I want people to understand there is a good way, just like with all your power and influence, there's a good way you can use this stuff for good professional objectives, but you can use this stuff in a very bad way, right? So we're going to focus on the professional use that we all use, right? We're not going to talk about how the mafia uses information to achieve <laughs> criminal objectives here, but you get what I'm talking about. I think it's important to touch on that, but I want to start with the positive stuff. So what's your advice on how you push information out and how you've used that to help shape opinion 
inspire people or to manage risk and uncertainty? So I, I stand on this, right? Leadership takes courage. And sometimes you have to make some decisions based upon authentic and adequate information that you have at the time. And I sort of take this approach of, as a leader, I'm going to do what's in the best interest of the organization that I'm representing, right? So by the time information is brought to me, I've already gained what my response is going to be, you know, and I've understood and walked through consequences of either executing what I what I'm thinking or not executing. And then what are the alternatives? So one of the, you know, the things that I do is really try to understand with the information, why am I going to share this information? What's what's the need? Right. You know, what the timing? When when should I best share this information? I mean, if it's if it's mission critical then I need to share it immediately. And then, you know, what's my intended audience, right? You know, how potentially are my folks going to receive this? And from what perspective do I need to come from? Do I need to divest myself of, you know, the insignia and really just have a conversation about this? Or, you know, is this some edict that we just got to say, hey, look, guys, while I know right now we're in the throes, but we need to go in and we need to pivot towards this, right? And so um, I think you have to, Take all those things in, in, into consideration when you have the information, whether you're going to share it, how, you know, what mode you're going to share. It. And I and I really think that you really got to have authentic folks around you. Right. You've got to surround yourself with a leadership team that says, hey, listen, I, I don't want any bobbleheads. I need folks here that are going to push back from the table if need be or that are going to adequately support the decisions that we're going to make collectively as a group. But ultimately, it rests on your shoulders as, as a leader. But ultimately, you know, you need inputs from all these other folks because, you know, I don't think that there's there's no one person that's bigger than the organization. And so for a leader to be successful, you have to have those inputs from other folks. Right. And so I really rely on my uh, leadership team that are strategic and I strategically pick those folks and based upon their strengths, et cetera. And so you got to know your audience. You got to know why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. And, Paul, to one of the points that you, you made earlier, you cannot withhold information or manipulate information or the use of that information to achieve an outcome. And I, you know, I would discourage that at all costs. Okay. Yeah. So, from my perspective, I think we use information or share it at least. And we've been on the receiving end as junior um, military professionals and in our other professions, but. Yeah, I think you push out information to keep people informed about what's going on and the decisions we're making and why we're making those. I think you push out information so they can make better personal decisions and professional decisions. And ultimately, you're helping that decision-making function strengthen so they can ultimately develop self-discipline. So I think there's a tie. The more information you give them, perhaps it's on just the bad outcomes of things that can happen when they make certain decisions really helps shape them in their professional and their personal life. And then I think you want to keep them connected to the mission, right? So by telling them what we're getting ready to do, why, you help connect them to the mission, but you also help relieve uncertainty too and reduce anxiety. Mm. What's been your experience with that? To your point, when it comes to the mission, you really have to share that information, right? And and, and again, I keep going back to timing, right? What's appropriate? And when when's it when is it when is it not appropriate to share all of the information? And so um, I don't necessarily subscribe to withholding information. I think that uh, to your one of the points that you made earlier is when you share information with your subordinates or your colleagues or however you want to frame that, that really gives them buy in. That's number one. And they're supportive. I mean, I think with information, they can support the cause or the mission um, because, you know, I think 
from being on the other end of that, you're saying, look, if, if I were an issue, if we have to go, you know, go on deployment, whatever, more information that people have, the better they can protect their families, you know, set their families up for success. Because I don't want to uh, employees on deployment worrying about how his family's going to fare in his absence. Right. And so with information that you have, meaning the time that it's going to take for us to execute the mission, et cetera, we understand that there may be some variables. But they can at least help plan with information. You know, I always try to put myself in, in the shoes of, of my staff, my colleagues, um, when making decisions and with when I'm going to execute and, and provide information about that particular mission it's more that we have going on. Okay. So for the listeners, take some time to reflect on what information you're pushing out and why you want to do it. And I think we've offered some insights there. So, so you talked about withheld, and I think you got to the point of timing. I have had times where I've you know, worked for teams or people where we hold back information, not all the time, but we hold it for some amount of time because there's a time and a place. And frankly, the other thing I think is who you give information to, there's a need to know kind of thing, especially when you get into yeah. classified type of, of material. So you know, when I'm withholding, one of the things I've seen is, for example, on Navy ships, say we're depending on the circumstances, the CEO might get some bad news about a schedule change or something like that or unpopular news. Um, yes. We would really sit and think about, okay, we have that information. Now, when do we want it? Right. So we're withholding it initially, but we're also thinking about there's a need to know this stuff for the crew and you really got to think through it. So we would think about what's the best time to do it. Obviously, if we're doing a high risk evolution, we're not going to push out bad news, right? Because then you're going to distract your team. So more than absolutely withholding, I think it's withholding till the right time. Do you have any experiences with that? You know, as a special agent, when I work with the State Department and, you know, I, to a number of things that you mentioned, you know, when we're doing like having a, a critical uh, movement and we've, we've got a mission um, and you've obtained some information, the timing of sharing that information um, is, is critical, right? Because as you, to one of the points, if, if you share it and the timing is not right, then that will throw folks off, right? right? And, you know, they're off thinking about the other effects of now being delayed to one of the examples of just being delayed and having to extend the deployment, et cetera. And so, you know, I've been on the receiving end of folks withholding information. And, you know, initial, my initial response would be a little upsetting, but as I matured through the ranks, and understood why my leadership did what they did, you know, after explaining later, you know, I understood that. So that's sort of the lens that I use now. And, and I think timing is so critical, right? And you really got to understand the op tempo of the organization or of what that said mission is and, and then saying, okay, when is the best time to really execute and provide this information? But again, knowing the audience, right? You know, and, and then sort of gaining through what the second and third order effects would be after sharing that information. And then, you know, then and only then, I think that's the appropriate time. And so, you know, withholding information for a certain amount of time or for a specific reason and not necessarily, you know, a reason that's, that's selfish. It's really about mission critical, right? Um, and I think that's the only time for me when I think it's appropriate to really um, withhold information. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, with that uh, law enforcement background, one time you see this a lot on whether it's reality TV or fiction TV, this criminal investigation, they will withhold critical elements of the case. Yes. You know, as they go through. So if you're an organization, you'll know, like, specific to your profession or your field when it's time to withhold. And usually there's a team. That's really 
shaping that, right? There's a public affair team or an advisor team that really helps yeah. the decision maker decide yes. when to push out information and, and kind of have thought through the effects. So, so in the more sinister example, right, the insecure leader, for whatever reason, they may have access to unique information that others don't know. And instead of informing and getting that information out to make their team stronger, they'll withhold it to make themselves like this go-to person. And then they're really using it to manipulate people. So yeah. have you seen that before? And what's the response to that? Yeah, I, I've seen that, Paul, and uh, that's a great segue. I mean, what I what I've taken from from my bad leaders, or and, and not necessarily call them bad, but just you know their styles, right? Yeah. So I've looked at their leadership styles, and I said, hey, I've been on the other end of that, and I want to do one eighty out from that, right? Um, because I know what that feels like not to have the information or all of the information, or um, a leader using that to manipulate a particular outcome that they want to see. And I think for this, those selfish reasons. And, you know, I think that's when this emotional intelligence kicks in and understand your audience, understanding your people, what's your greatest asset and why we do what we do. And so um, I, I sort of let that be the guiding principle for me. Right. You know, what do you feel when you were in that situation? And, and when you have, when you know, information and when you know better, I think you must do better. And so that's that's sort of my mantra and sort of what I try to strive for every day. And another thing I think I've used or withheld information, just like. As a parent, but also at the organizational level, when you get really good news or you know, you come across a, a cool like surprise or a reward or something cool, right? You might want to hold that back to kind of build up the tension a bit so that when you reveal it, it comes across more powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. But again, this is used in the, you know, you're not trying to be deceptive. You're actually trying to use it in a good way. So, all right, let's yeah. move on a little to misinformation. We talked about this again, very risky. You know, we'll touch more about the risks that go with this. But misinformation, so some people will go to the far end and they'll deliberately lie, right? And they'll, they will adjust facts or actually misrepresent facts. But there is a way when I think about information, I'm like, how do we spin the situation so I can present facts in a way that kind of shape the attitude of my people? Not kind of, it actually does, right? So the way you present information creates an attitude that you're going to have to account for. So you can have, you know, we talk about, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. How you present that information can have a psychological effect. So I don't think it's necessarily misinforming, but it's like, how do I intend to use the data I'm giving towards my people? So what's, uh, what's your thoughts on this and your experience? So I think the very first thing is, and, and sorry for sounding like bracket, broken record, but you know, go back to knowing your audience, right? Knowing your people, walking the process, and knowing what really makes those folks uh, tick. And so with information, authentic information, I think that's the time when you know the optimal or you, you're helping shape and form the optimal. So you know, you know, where the crucial points are, right? So with authentic information, um, I think that there's always an opportunity you know, when, when it's time to share that information, you have to do it in such a way that does not disrupt the operations. And so for me, I think, number one, your integrity is on the line, right? And I don't, I, I've always wanted to be one to foster and build great relationships with my staff, right? And, you know, and sometimes there's some difficult times and difficult conversations that you have to have with them as well. You know, I think my integrity, right? I, I start thinking about, you know, when I walk away from this place, what do I want to leave? You know, how do I want to be perceived by the folks that were here? They just say, hey, he was fair, authentic, honest, upfront, out the gate. I mean, I, I that's the, the tone that I set from the very beginning when walking in the door. Um, and, and folks know that you genuinely 
uh, that you're concerned and that you're authentic and for my leadership, you know, because we always work for some, I mean, uh, you know, in my jobs, I've always had to report to senior leaders, et cetera. And so I've always shared with them, I will always protect your signature and I will always do what's best in the best interest for your organization. Yeah. So I think we all, as leaders and managers, we're all put in that position to report, you know, our successes and our failures. And we always have course, you always want to put your best foot forward. So I think there's that, you've got to just manage this. I don't know if it's an internal pressure. I don't think it's a desire per se, but there's a tendency to like, okay, I got to give my boss bad news. So I'm going to soften the blow a bit by adjusting the information or making it not look as good. Or maybe, you know, there's going to be blame or professional discomfort that's going to come and ass chewing per se, and you want to avoid that or lessen it. But all you do is you end up pushing the wrong information or not the most adequate information. And then this is going to the decision makers, right? And they're going to make decisions based off of this. So to your point about integrity, yeah. don't let your your desire to avoid professional discomfort or to just tout your own success be the reason that you twist the facts, right? The bosses want to hear it. And there's key people like my, you know, my role as command mass chief and those serving those kind of positions. There's key advisor roles. They rely on us to be that truth teller, right? So if you're in that position... You get the access, you get the one-on-one, right? And when you tell them, right, you don't tell certain information in front of a whole entire group, but there's a time and place to tell it and tell it truthful. And you should know that person enough to where you can, you know, they're probably going to not be happy in some cases, but don't, uh, don't use misinformation and don't use it to manipulate your people and teams or your bosses. I want to say something else about that. And so you, you made, you brought up a, a couple of great points and, and in my, in my mind, I started thinking about a couple of experiences that I had. And what I will share with you is that in my law enforcement career and also being in emergency management, you know, I think my leadership sometimes, and I share with them, I said, hey, sir, man, you want me to be authentic with you. And and sometimes I have to tell you no. And with an explanation, and all the times, you, you have to provide leadership with all of the accurate information so that they can make a decision that's going to ultimately affect the organization. Because what I said, you know, especially when we talk about risk management and liability, I said, you know, I would never want to not share all of the information with a leader and then they make a decision based upon two or three points that I shared with them and I didn't give them a complete picture. Because I think ultimately, again, it goes back to my integrity and goes back to, you know, how do I want to be perceived and how, you know, my conscience, right, won't allow me to sit with a leader or with anyone and say, hey, you know, I have information and I didn't share this information and you made a decision based upon half of the information. My integrity and my who I am as a professional, I think, you know, outweighs all of that. I says, hey, you know, my boss, I've always said and we say it jokingly. I was like, sir, you pay me to, to tell you no from time to time. You also pay me to, you know, for the risk management and, and to tell you no from time, you know, from time to time. And but here's the reason why. And to help understand, you know, shape your decision, you know, I'm going to provide you that information and you will make a decision based upon what you think is appropriate, but it won't be because I've not provided you with all of the, the accurate information that I am aware of. Because again, by the time it has gotten to me, when it comes to that in my mind and with my of support, uh, my leadership support staff, you know, we have done our due diligence and we've gained this all the way through so that I can provide the best and the most authentic and accurate information um, to leadership. Again, use information to enable your influence tactics up, down, and across. I've talked about that. So use it to influence your bosses and leadership, your peers, and then the people that work for you. So withholding or manipulating information, it might feel good up front. You might think you're doing good, but you're actually slowing down or, or hindering proper decision-making uh, at the strategic level and at the personal level. 
and you could be introducing frustration. And then ultimately, the risk that ultimately comes with this is people have access to this information these days. That's what's so important about people understanding in a modern era with so many computer ways to access information, social media coming in from all kinds of sources. People can get access to the information you may have making a decision. And the next thing you know, they're like, well, hold on a minute. You said, and then bam, your credibility's gone. You yeah. start to erode your personal power base and people will lose trust in you. And once you've done that, yeah. it's hard to rebuild it. Absolutely. One last thing I want to touch on is the responsibility that comes with access to information. When you get information about people in their personal life, right, that is for your specific use on them. You know, there's HIPAA laws out there on personal information. There's privacy information. Just because people tell you stuff, right, again, information comes with responsibility. In some cases, the information is classified, and we all know there's controls that the access of that information that's either classified or sensitive. And if you don't properly control this information, right, you can destroy people's personal reputations. You can risk warfighting advantage if you're in the military. You can compromise investigations, and you can really erode the credibility, not just of yourself as a leader, but of your organization. Any thoughts on that? Paul, you know, I think something I, I mentioned earlier is that I said leadership takes courage, right? And I think that when I was a young soldier and uh, a young police officer, you know, I was in love with the insignia on the collar, man. I thought, I was like, hey, you know, I can't wait till I can do this. Or you have a not so stellar boss and you're like, man, I can do that job better. But as I rose through the ranks and understood the responsibility that comes with making decisions and with leading folks, you know, I really took a pushback and really looked and tried to, you know, recall some of the different experiences that I had from the different leaders and said, you know, now I understand why they did what they did with the information that they had at the time. And I, and so, you know, to help shape and form my leadership style, you know, I took bits and pieces from people that I've encountered all over the world. And hell, quite honestly, I, I still do, I'm still learning and in that mode right now today. And so one of the points that you made, when you have information, you've got to make sure that you properly maintain the integrity of that information shared. And because as you, as you stated, if you, you know, share it, sometimes, you know, some information is close hold, some classified. We're not even talking about the, the regulatory or the things that you got to do for that. Um, but I'm just talking about information, personal information, that information that that's readily available or not so much readily available, but just general information that could potentially affect people's day to day lives. I mean, you have to be a good steward over that information. Right. And and need to know you just can't go out willy-nilly and just share information to whomever. And uh, I think there's old with loose lips sink ships. And so you got to be very cautious about, you know, how much you share and who the intended artist is. And I, and, and again, for me, I've thought through second and second and third order effects of if I share this information um, with this person, this is a confidant, or do they really need to know this information? And so I've gained that all the way through as well. All right. So I think that's a good way to end it. I think this has been a great conversation we've had. I've loved your insights. Before I close it out, though, I want to put down a few questions down for reflection for the audience to think about. So number one, how strong is your information power base? If you had to gauge it on a scale of one to 10, what would you say it is? What sources do you have access to? How do you get it? How frequently do you engage your people in a meaningful way to get information? And where are the gaps? The second one, consider a time when you had access to information and you either didn't use it, push it out when you should have, you withheld it, or perhaps you manipulated or misused it. Why did you decide to use the information in that way? And what were the desired 
or undesired outcomes and what would you do differently today? And then I think it's always good to talk with mentors and leaders, especially for growing leaders and managers on like, hey, what's a time when you had to use information to make a difficult decision? And how did you walk through controlling the information you got, using it to make your decision, and then pushing the information out once the decision was made? So take some time to talk to your people. And finally, how responsible are you being with the information you have access to? Are you trustworthy? Can people tell you things that you're not going to use to your personal or professional advantage? And then again, do you help inform your leadership and your boss to help the team and your boss make fully informed and good decisions? So, all right, my guest today again has been Derek Boyd, Army veteran, law enforcement, and emergency management professional, and he's a personal friend. So, Derek, it's been great having this conversation. And I look forward to when we to when we can catch up again in person. Yeah, Paul. Thank you, man. Thank you for having. I, I appreciate you, man, and I wish all the best to you and your audience. Man. All right, Derek, thanks. All right, everyone, thanks again for listening to the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about this topic we've discussed or any other episodes, check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or some of the resources and topics we've discussed in the episode. To provide me feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at cutlassleadership at gmail.com. And then, as always, make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your favorite podcast channel, and then like it, share it, comment and subscribe so we can get this content out and about. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard daily to keep your leadership couplet sharp, reflect, improve, and then take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference.